Now, some of you will remember that we did a podcast last year where we talked about the Credit Union Foundation and the Heritage Fund sponsoring a new project on oral history of the Credit Union movement. The project's called Save and Sound, and it's headed up by Abby Shelton. The Save and Sound project wants to make sure that the efforts of people who worked to set up and run credit unions in the early days of the movement are not forgotten. You know, the history of the British credit union movement is pretty diverse anyway, and I find it quite inspiring as well. Well, this particular project wants to hear from anyone who was involved with setting up credit unions in whatever way, small or big. If you just listen to some of the stuff that Abby's already got together, it's just fascinating. I got in touch with Abby and I asked her, how's the project doing? The project's going really well, thank you. We've had some great response from people across the north of England and we've got a team of seven volunteers. We're up to about 25 interviews so far, which is really good, really good range of people. I'm amazed this project has done so well under such difficult circumstances. I mean, you'd no idea, well, many of us have no idea, that when you started out on this project that you'd have to do it in the middle of a pandemic. So 25 interviews so far in the can, that's fantastic going. Usually with uh, an oral history interview, People who were being interviewed wouldn't have to worry about the technicalities, but they've had to cope with boxes being delivered, with strange microphones in them and doing all that setup and everything. But we've done the instructions as well as we can. People have been brilliant. They've uh, they've really helped us out. Tell me then, what's a, an ideal amount of people that you'd like to have interviewed by the end of the project? We're aiming to get to 40 people across the north of England. And what's also important is that it's a good range of people So we don't just want the people who are leading credit unions. We want people who did the collection points. We want people from all sorts of credit unions. So employee credit unions set up in workplaces, credit unions that ran from church halls, credit unions that were set up in conjunction with local authorities. There's such a range of people involved in credit unions and such a range of different types of credit unions and the different motivations that people had for setting them up. So we really want to make sure that's uh, reflected in in the collection. Is it daunting for some people to be interviewed? Because it's all well and good for people like you and me that are used to it. But is it daunting for some people to be interviewed? I think people can see it as something daunting. Once people have done it, it's very much like a chat. I mean, I'm sitting here now and I'm looking at you on a screen. We know we're having a chat and we were chatting before this. It has to be formal in the way that we have to make sure that people understand Things like uh, copyright, because it's going to the information is going to be shared with the British Library. People who've done it have really enjoyed it. Some people say, "Oh, I won't be able to tell you anything." Um, half an hour later, they're just finishing answering the first question because it just starts flowing, and then people remember things that they haven't thought about before. And it can be, it can be. Well, people have all said that they've uh, that they've really enjoyed um, the experience. Listening to other oral history projects uh, since I got interested in this one, I noticed that there's a whole range of people with different abilities, different accents, different backgrounds, different dialects. And I think to some extent, people might think that, oh, they won't want to hear my dialect, my accent. I'm not very good at stringing sentences together. 
well, most of us don't like the sounds of our own voice and we're not used to hearing it being played back to us. I know I'll, uh, I'll, I'll cringe when I hear this. It's the richness of the differences in, in accents, especially across the north of England, where there's so much variation from Liverpool up to the northeast. And, and it's fabulous to have that. And it's, it's part of people's character and it's part of showing how different credit unions are. I think it's very bland if everyone's speaking in, in RP and uh, we're certainly not going to have that in this project. Abby, I understand at this part of the project, you've been given the green light to actually go further afield than the north of England with the project. Well, yes, Chris. What we've said to the National Lottery Heritage Fund is that as we've got a team of volunteers in the north of England, but we've also got lots of people in different parts of the country who are interested in the project, that we're going to um, extend the interviews out to a wider area. There'll be the opportunity, which is really exciting, to interview people from maybe a couple from London, a couple from Scotland, a couple from the Midlands, and get a little bit of variety into the collection. Why this is really important is because we're hoping that the project will be able to extend out two other areas in the future. And part of what we're doing at the moment is developing a toolkit to make that easy for people. And it's going to raise awareness in those areas and hopefully get people interested in volunteering. In a, in a year or two, we may be able to do it as we originally planned, which would be volunteers travelling out to people's houses and interviewing them. So we'll want a team of locally based volunteers. But as everyone's doing the interviews online, it gives us that opportunity to extend it out a little, little bit while we've still got the volunteers. Wake up, everyone. There's an opportunity. And how do they do that then? How will they get in touch with you? They can get in touch with me by going to the Credit Union Foundation website. There's some information on there. Or they can contact me, abby.shelton at creditunionfoundation.org.uk. So of the 25 interviews that you've had, you must have some uh, great stories or certainly some people that can give you some feedback as to how it's gone. Any Anybody out there that we can talk to? Karen's one person. She's She'd be an interesting person to talk to. She's also a trustee of the Credit Union Foundation, so she could maybe tell you a little bit about it from the Credit Union Foundation point of view as well. The actual interview itself just just went like a dream, I thought, anyway. You know, um, a young girl interviewed me. Her name was Casey. Um, she was a volunteer, and she was absolutely lovely. You know, she knew her questions. She knew her stuff. She was very friendly and all that. I would, it was great. It was like an opportunity for me to share my story, you know, and I think sort of, Still humble enterprises anyway. You know, but time no what I think in hindsight it was time to reflect on what we've done. You know, you know, if I think about Enterprise Credit Union, and you, you have celebrated your history more than once in the past, and I, I remember you, you published that lovely booklet that okay. captured yeah. your history. What do you think an interview does that, that the booklet can't do? I think within the interview, it was a personal like sort of the personal story as well that came in within Enterprise. And I could tell it from my point of view, but you can't put that in a booklet. Do you know what I mean? So that there was some, like, I wouldn't say warts and all, but it certainly made me think back. Some of the stories or avenues we've gone down over the past as well. It was definitely a time to reflect after it. You know, it definitely was. It was brilliant. I really did. You know, I think it was one of them. You know, I'm always off the man, like sort of, even our new staff coming in don't really understand where we began and stuff like that. And so, the, to me, to get involved in this, for want of better words, this time capsule, it was amazing. You know, this is a time capsule, isn't it? Why do you think the foundation supported this project? 
I think it was so, I mean, just a sheer word, the foundation, the name of the Credit Union Foundation speaks volumes. You know, they are our foundation. They're trying to capture that history for the future Credit Union people out there. You know, and so I feel I was very comfortable with them doing it. We've always said that the movement was built on characters and people that, that gave other lives for, for the credit union. Do you think there's a risk that unless we do this sort of thing that we won't capture this? I, I think so. I mean, if you look back over the last year itself and how many of our friends we've lost within our credit union families, and absolutely, I mean, this week alone, I've just buried one of my staff, you know, so that and I attended a funeral for one of my staff. And, you know, in hindsight, you know, so that we've got memories of Pam during, but I would certainly would have loved her to have this opportunity. No doubt she did, but I just think, you know, we are getting older, you know, and so that, you know, more people are leaving us. So I don't think it's a bad thing to try and capture. And there's more and more credit union CEOs like are retiring and stuff like that. You know, to try and capture their insight, I think that is just going to build on those foundations for our future leaders. But credit unions are no different than any other type of business, really, are they? Oh, Chris, I think you know I'm going to argue with you on that point. Um, you know, absolutely they are. You know and I know how passionate everyone within our sector are. And there's a reason for that. Do you know what I mean? And as you just said, it's all down to the characters, but it's all values. Everyone amongst us have got the same values. You know, to get this opportunity to sort of speak about those values, speak about how our businesses began, is amazing. You know, I keep stressing, it's like, to me, it's like the time capsule. I'm always going on about sort of, we're stewards of the future. And we are. We are stewards of the future. But we can't forget where those foundations started either. Do you know what I mean? So we can capture that and people in 10, 15 years' time. We don't know what the credit union landscape will look like in 15 years' time, but I think having this opportunity will actually help us reflect. You know, not live in the past, but certainly, certainly look at it and say, well, do you know what? Yeah, look at how, look at where we've come from to where we are now. Well, in 20 years' time, you'll be coming up to your retirement, won't you? Well, I'd say 30, Chris. Don't be, don't be cheeky now. <laughs> Karen Bennett, thanks for being there for us. No problem, Chris. I've enjoyed it, as always. What about the interviewers? Is there anybody out there that can give us a little bit of a taste of what that's been like? Anchors, someone who who you could talk to. She's been involved in the cooperative movement for a long time, but not credit union movement as such. So she's enjoyed meeting lots of different people from across the north of England. She can tell you about that. I've done four interviews. Give me a description of the background of the people that was doing it. Some some of them were elderly. Some of them were still in work. They were still working. Uh, none of them was young. Uh, they had all been involved for a couple of years in the sector. And what they all had in common was that they were really, really passionate about what they were doing, all of them. Were there any surprises? Uh, I wouldn't say surprises, no, because... I already covered the cooperative sector and I I consider credit unions cooperatives. So I thought people would be just as passionate as people involved in cooperatives were about their cooperatives. But I think what surprised me was that some people would really work long hours and work overtime just to be able to, to help people really. And it wasn't just that they were passionate about credit unions themselves, but they were passionate about helping other people and they realize the importance of, of their work. That's yeah. what 
impressed me the most. And that's why I, I wanted to do it to begin with, to help tell their stories. The whole project, the, the Safe and Sound Oral History Project, have you come across oral history projects yourself before? I have, and uh, that was one of the reasons why I wanted to be to be involved in this project. When when I was in Romania, uh, when I was in in college, I was involved in an oral history project, collecting memories and from former political prisoners, from people who had been in prison during the communist regime. So they they would help me get in touch with those people, and then I would interview them and help tell their story. Um, so, and I thought that was a really important project because it helped to tell the story of of the communist repression. And people of my age, of my age back then, you know, wouldn't have known anything about that because they would have been born around the the year the revolution took place. I was born in eighty eight, and the revolution was in eighty nine. So, yeah, that that helped me find out more about the atrocities of of that regime. And I thought that was important because other people would then be able to access the archive. Were people cautious when they wanted when you spoke to them? Were people, you know, a little bit reluctant to to be interviewed when you started talking to them? No, not really. Um, and um, I didn't think they were trying to hide anything or not answering questions. They were really open, and they just wanted to tell their story and and tell the, not the, not so much their story, but the story of their credit union and their involvement in in the movement so i didn't think they were um they were reluctant to share information now why do you think this is going to be a benefit to anyone this particular project have you any thoughts on why you think this particular oral history project will be a benefit to anyone i think sometimes when people think of credit unions or co-ops or 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 businesses like that it's a very abstract concept and they don't understand what it means in practice until they get to experience it. So I think by having people share their stories and tell people how they got involved and how it might have benefited other people, um, it might help to raise awareness about this, the work of the movement and the work of the sector because people don't understand what a credit union is until they they take a loan from a credit union or until they they put their money in a credit union they say with the credit union. So I think it might help to raise awareness and to make people understand what the credit union is. Do you think sometimes when people are interviewed in a very informal way, they add more colour and more depth and more interest in their answers than probably academics would do? Yes, definitely. And it's the the, the little stories, the personal stories that help to, to tell the bigger story, really. And I sometimes avoid when I'm speaking to people, I avoid mentioning the word interview because some people don't like it and they think it's something really formal and they might be reluctant to to tell you anything if you mention the word interview. If you just ask them to have a chat, then they're more likely to have a chat with you. Obviously, when we when we did the oral history interviews, we did mention that uh, these interviews would be um, recorded and we, we got their consent for that. Uh, but at the same time, it was important for them to feel that they're talking to another person, a person who who knows a little bit about the sector. And maybe I don't know so much about credit unions, but even so, um, yes, they, they felt like there was someone they could talk to who knew a little bit about the sector and who was willing to to listen to their stories and m- not maybe um, judge anything or yeah. 
Can you, I'm putting you on a spot here, but can you remember any small examples of, uh, of little stories that you heard or what, what anybody related mm. to you? Uh, yes, I don't know. I um, I think one of the nicest stories was, was when someone said that uh, their husband had told them that the credit union was their life, really, <laughs> because they, they were so passionate about their work and they were doing extra hours and they were involved in other projects related to the credit union that <laughs> that the family felt like this was their life, really. <laughs> And, and they were okay with that because they understood how important it was for them. Abby, that was great listening to Anka and Karen. And they didn't make it sound painful. If anything, they made it sound like a lot of fun. And Karen's right. It can be daunting to do these sort of things. But once she got going, I mean, she couldn't stop. And that's what we want, more of that. She demonstrated this ability to just chat and talk about the old times as if it's two friends remembering. So, Abby, where are we next? What happens next? Is this all going to be out soon or is there still quite a lot of work? When could we actually see the British Library publishing this material? Well, what we'll be doing, Chris, is we'll be handing over the material once we've got the 40 interviews and it's all edited and we've got all the um, material to go with it. We'll bundle that up. I might actually get on a train and go down to London and deliver it to them. It's currently in three different places to make sure it's safe. And we'll also be launching our website so another output of the project is a website which will have some clips clips of the interviews on there along with other material posters and photographs and all sorts of things like that which by the way we'd really love people to uh, have a rummage around in the cupboards and send us anything that they've got from the early days of their credit unions but the british library they'll do what they've got to do at their end and then hopefully that should be on their website sometime next year just for the listeners sake abby if somebody does a 90-minute interview, or however long, let's say an hour-long interview, does it still end up being an hour, or do they edit it right down? Is it is it cut down quite a lot? No, the British Library interviews are the full interviews. The only time that anything would be edited from there is if there was something which someone decided they didn't want to be said, so maybe set a time limit on it. But it's it's unusual for that to be happening. I don't think there's any, there's anything like that so far in our interviews. What we'll be doing with the interviews on the website is we'll just be doing short clips. So we're going to have a variety of themes, things like training, social life, which are, you know, which is very important in the credit union movement as people involved in know, things like regulation, serving members. And we'll have clips from the different interviews, which we'll put on the site that people will be able to listen to. And then for the full interviews, they'll uh, be able to uh, go to the British Library for them. So will you come back and tell us soon about where we're up to when we've got a few more interviewees in? I'd love to, Chris. Yes, I'd actually love to. Thank you. Speak to you soon, Abby. Okay, thanks, Chris. Bye-bye.